All right, this is Thomas. And this is Sarah Irvin, and you're listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Nice. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Hoy yes. es el cumpleaños de mi hija. Woo-hoo. Oh, yes. Oh, Happy birthday, indeed. Worship director, Scott Reed. Yeah! <laughs> Happy birthday to Dan's daughter. <laughs> and God's rodeo clown, Bill Cowley. Hey. Hello, Renata. <laughs> Dan, will you pray for us? Sure. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thanks for the gift of life you've given us, the chance to be here among friends, uh, discussing things that are important to you, Lord, things from your word. Pray you give us wisdom and discernment, and may everything that's spoken here bring you honor and glory and bring us, all of us, participants and listeners closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Scotty? All right. So by Max's request, we're doing mix and match Would You Rathers again. And we're going to do uh, something similar to what we've done in the past where we're going to do like a one question for each person. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So that'll be That way. wasn't by my microphone. No, but Max wanted to do mix and match again. Yeah. And the, the other part, I just took control back. This is my portion <laughs> of the show. my domain. That's true. It's All right. Your, it's your section. Dan, would you rather have to live the rest of your life wearing pink rollerblades Ooh. or... I could never take them off? Please save uh, questions till the end. <laughs> yeah. Wearing pink rollerblades or have five bottles stuck on the fingers of one hand for a year. <laughs> okay, so the rollerblades on forever. For the rest always. Of your life, it says always. Yes. Always. Yes. Oh. So in the shower, you gotta wear rollerblades. <laughs> I go with the bottles because at least it's temporary. Yeah, that's true. I think you're right. That is true. I like that they're pink. I like that they throw that in like it's gonna make the difference. I'm okay with the color. The other option for that for the pink rollerblades was 12 inch stilts. Hmm. Max, Hmm. would you rather have one long, thick, furry eyebrow (laughs) across your entire forehead, or hear strange voices? Well, he listens to us every week. This might qualify as strange voices. That's the full question. That's it, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm already hearing strange voices. (laughs) See, I'm tempted to say that, but I don't want more. Um, uh, I'll go with with the unibrow. I think, uh, who's the, Anthony Davis? Yeah. He's a very famous basketball player. No, I think it's Anthony. Okay. Well, they mean the same thing. Well, regardless. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, either way, he's got a unibrow. <laughs> regardless, he's unibrow. You can always Davis. shave it. Nah. Wax know. it. I think that's against the spirit it. of the question. You're going to own it. Man, Max is, is going with That's like saying if I heard the voices, I could tell them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they come back just like a unibrow. <laughs> <laughs> After like a couple weeks, they show back up. <laughs> Bill, would you rather be a... B- <laughs> I'm sorry. What's happening? <laughs> this is really funny. <laughs> Would you rather be a boy? <laughs> it's not going to be that funny when I actually say it. I just think it's really funny. Be a boy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dan, read the first half of this okay. question. Bottom, bottom question um, for me, please. Would you rather be a boy named Muffin? All right. <laughs> or Muffin Calvin. Or age only from the neck up. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Man, that muffin. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> muffin so Calvin or have the physique of a 20-year-old bodybuilder. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be great for you. With I, your current I, I think I'll go with that second one. Well, it's worth remembering that you didn't start running marathons until you were like 50. Right. So well, I think you'd have, have your 20-year-old body. Well, I think we have to assume this started at birth. Oh, so you, <laughs> Bill's well, old no, no, head. You get to grow up. Bill's head on like a baby's body. <laughs> this is my son, Muffin. <laughs> I mean, that seems fair from this point forward. What? From this point forward? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's fair, yeah. So you'll have this body forever. Yeah. Would you like me to ask you? I would. Yeah. Okay. Wait, Bill, what did you choose? What did you choose? I, I, I chose, let's keep the body and think of it. You could always have surgery on your face if it started bothering you that badly. Wow. So you'd rather have surgery on your face than be called Muffin? <laughs> I think Muffin be a great name for muffin. you. You better call him Muffin. If you have to grow up with Muffin, that could be pretty <laughs> cruel on the playground. I just think it's so cute. I like All right, Dan. Furry dog. You're thinking too hard. You just got to right, cut the deck. Would you read. rather uh-huh. wake up to find that your neck has grown five inches longer <laughs> Ooh, hey, or <laughs> spend your entire life in the same tree? <laughs> I mean, can I have both? Like a longer neck would be helpful. In that swing from the vines on your <laughs> neck. So, live in a tree the rest of your life. Can I leave the tree? No, like, you spend no, your entire is life it my there. home. You're no. like, or is it where I like? Well, You're I like one of the monks that just comes up in a tree and you live there. Well, I bring I live you in a food. house, but I can leave my house. You can, you can have. We can throw food up to you. We can throw food up to you. Yeah, I bring you food. Well, no, you could have a treehouse you. if you're still in the tree. Or have a neck I mean, he can have a treehouse, but someone's got to help him build it because he doesn't have the materials to. True. I'm not going to. I think I'll go with a neck. It. I've oh. always wanted to break six feet. <laughs> <laughs> the second half of that was funny. It was Would you rather wake up to find your neck has grown five inches longer or that your rear end has doubled in size? <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely seen that question before. <laughs> he's been talented enough not to ask it. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's time for Sermon Roundup. Yeah! <laughs> I wish, listeners, I wish you could see his face. I was like, if a, if a squirrel tried to shock you, like scare you, that's the face that Dan just made. Uh, for Sermon Roundup this week, Pastor David preached uh, a new series about eternity. Uh, specifically, this week we were talking about Judgment Day, and he talked about depending on ideas and lies um, that aren't true to save us. And it, when he was talking about it, he was saying specifically you know, about saving us when we die. Um, it's kind of a hard turn from how uh, light our conversation has been for the first portion of the show. Um, we all know people who are obviously non-believers. Have you guys seen people sort of believe lies, whether it's in, in the realm of what happens after you die, is there a God, things like that, and, ha- and seen it dramatically impact the way that, that they live their lives? I've seen it over and over again played out in my life with people. From when I was a kid, I remember talking to a, another kid in my class in like sixth grade, and he was like, oh, no, no, there's no such thing as hell. God's just going to forgive everyone in the end, and we're all going to go to heaven. Hmm. I've, I've definitely seen it played out over and over again in conversations where people, I'm not sure where they get it, if it's just something that just makes them feel better to think about. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, God's just going to forgive everyone. There's not going to be a judgment day. We're all going to go to the same place, or we're all just going to cease to exist. Hmm. One of three or four big ideas that people tend to have about this kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. That aren't true. I recall years ago, we had a real good musician in our church named Paul Mahler. And he came to Christ because a worker was driving him home and they started talking about hell. And I think the worker was Johnny Babkin. 
And he said words about hell for probably 20, 30 minutes in this car ride home. And when Paul Mahler got home, he was troubled. Mm -hmm. Hell brought him to conviction. He got on his knees. He repented. He came to Christ. He was soundly saved. And it was all because they just talked about hell for 20 or 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So he went from being a guy smoking grass, drinking. His life was just really going nowhere to getting saved because hell scared him into thinking clearly about salvation. Hmm. I knew a guy like that too that had a dream about hell and it scared him so much that he got serious about his faith, started going to church. I'm not sure where he is now. This was like mm -hmm. late high school, but was like terrified of the vision that he saw of what hell was like. Hmm. Uh, kind of expanding beyond just those sort of eternally, eternity questions. What are other lies that people in our lives fall into the trap of believing that impacts the, the choices they make and the ways that they choose to live? God wants me to be happy. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Like God's up in heaven. He's just like, oh, I'm make sure that person's happy. That's my big concern today. Hmm. Come on. Hmm. One of my favorite pieces of advice I ever got about love was that loving someone is not telling them what they want to hear, telling them the truth. Mm. And it's interesting to put that on God and say, like, God's not going to tell me what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's going to tell me the truth. And, like, it seems like yeah. a very similar idea of, like, God doesn't want me to be happy. He wants me to be in him. And the amazing thing is when we really get serious about God, even if we're in a prisoner of war camp, mm. we can be truly joyful. Mm. I know a guy who's in a prisoner of war camp. I guess I know a lot of guys today. Yeah. In, uh, in World War II, he was a young kid at the time. His parents were missionaries and wow. survived being in a Japanese POW camp. Hmm. Wow. I think that had an impact on his life and faith and becoming a missionary. Sure. Being able to forgive his captors. Yeah. What other lies? I think people tend to believe one of two lies about themselves, either like an overinflated sense of ego, like I'm so incredibly amazing, which is sin of pride, but also like... The other flip side of that would be like, I'm so incredibly worthless mm -hmm. and not can't do anything right. And yeah. why would God even take the time to yeah. bother with me? Like he made a mistake mm -hmm. with me yeah. as if God could make a mistake. Yeah. I think another one um, is some variation of either like there is no way for me to change or I can change later. Mm -hmm. I have time to, to address this later. Yeah. And a lot of people put off those decisions about accepting Christ being serious about faith. Like, I'm just going to do that when mm -hmm. I'm dying. Yeah, or trying to beat addictions. Like, I'll mm -hmm. deal with this later. Or bad relationships or just anything in your life. You can put it off if you tell yourself a lie that there's more time. And the reason mm -hmm. it's a lie is because at some point it, there isn't. Do you fall into the mm -hmm. same traps? Do we fall into the same traps of believing lies? I mean, I don't think that any amount of maturity of faith or experience as a pastor can make you immune to sort of the, the ways that sin gets into your brain. Mm -hmm. Like, what are the lies that, that we fall into? I can definitely relate to sort of like an aggressive worthlessness, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, and C.S. Lewis obviously has that great quote about, like, uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, man, just the... Uh, just the lengths, the mental gymnastics my brain will go through to put myself down, to mm. take a situation and be like, ah, this is how that reflects poorly on me, or like, that's how it reflects poorly on what that person thinks of me. 
um, man, like, like that's my job. Like that's my brain's job mm. <laughs> is making sure that every piece of information that comes in is about me and in a negative way. Um, that's mm. a huge lie that I believe and that really impacts the the neural pathways of my mind a lot. Mm. I think I can relate to what you're saying, Max. I think for me, a lot of times it's just not having the self confidence or just even doubting. Like I. I have something to say. Is it even like, is it worthwhile to say it? Like, can I mm-hmm. contribute something to whatever I'm a part of? Yeah. And so I'm really actively trying to not believe that lie, mm-hmm. beat it back with God's word. It's like, no, God's put me where I am for a reason and wherever I have been and where I am right now. And I want to not doubt him in that because essentially I don't want to call him a liar and be like, well, you made a mistake putting me here. Like, I'm not good enough. Well, of course, I'm not good enough. Mm. I'm trying to speak. To those lies and say, well, it's partly true that I'm not worth, I'm not worth anything. It's only through Christ that I am. Hmm. And also just have a little more self-confidence. Sure. Bill? I'm not introspective enough to come up with stuff real fast. Hmm. I'm sure there are lies that I'm believing. I, I just need a little bit more time to think of it. Sure. Well, if you want, this will probably distract you, but I forgot to read our sponsor for Sermon Roundup. Uh, I was literally going to point at you when I said that, but I was like, I don't know, Phil. (laughs) Perfect. Um, So while you're thinking, and again, don't be distracted by Dan, I can read uh, the sponsor for that segment. Uh, That segment... Whatever. Sermon Roundup uh, is brought to you by Online Financial Peace. Financial Peace is back with a vengeance. Learn how to handle Mm. money God's way. The cost is $99 with scholarships available. Join this nine-week class on money, walking through budgeting, dumping debt, planning for the future, and much more. Group members support and encourage each other as they work to change their financial future. Financial Peace University Online. New semester runs from September 16th to November 4th. To learn more, visit bloomingdellchurch.org slash FPU. Great course. You should take it. Yeah, for sure. If I could just add to that. Please. Yesterday, our church was working with Financial Peace University's company, and our church purchased a site license, which means we can have a lot more latitude than ever with financial peace products. Mm. So I'm happy that our church is offering everybody in the church the opportunity to go to Ramsey Plus and all their wealth of products are yours for free. Mm. So if you've taken financial peace, go in there. You're going to need the passcode and Nita's going to have that for you. It'll be in the e-weekly. But I hope people take advantage of it because it's phone apps to help you with your savings program and with your budgeting. There's videos that are two minutes long, three minutes long, four minutes long just to get a taste of financial peace. Mm. It's Mm -hmm. very impressive. Lots of stuff. There's whole different courses. Like one of them is called Legacy. So what do you do after you're completely out of debt? what will you do with your life and your money? Hmm. So I'm, I'm glad our church has got yeah. this to offer people. I think Absolutely. the ones that take advantage of it are going to be happy they did. Mm-hmm. Normally that would cost a ton of money. So that mm. that's one of the advantages of our church buying the site license. Sure. Hmm. Waiting I, for me to think of what? For you I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I mean, and if you don't have anything to say, we can move on. You know, Craig Rochelle's pointing out one that's true in my life. When I was young in the ministry, it was like, I'm too young. I can't, re- I'm really not that helpful yet. And now 
I'm 68. I'm thinking, you know, you're getting too old. You're really not picking up mm. on the technology stuff. And, and Craig Rochelle pointed out, there's never any a perfect age. He was either too young or too old all the time. Yeah. I thought, you know, you're right. That That is true. Mm -hmm. uh, you've just got to accept who you are, where you are age-wise, and say, you know what? Uh, God knows how old I am, and I've just got a job in front of me to do, and I'm going to do the best I can and let it go at that. Yeah. yeah. I do like that. This comes up a lot on the show, but like that mindset of I'm too young to be of any true use. And then overnight, it's why well, I'm too old to be of any true use. Yeah. And like in the middle, there might be like two years, but like, man, that's just like the devil's game is like, mm -hmm. as long as, as long as it's effective, I'm going to mm -hmm. make you think you're too young. And then you might have like a day of like, I'm ready to be useful. And then the next day you're like, I'm, I'm too, too old. old. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, there was this nervousness doing mm. the first, say, 10 weddings. Like, oh, I, I got to really do this right. Am I doing this right? Same way with the funerals. Oh, this is important. You got to do this right. Baby dedications. Oh, baptisms. Oh, you're just so nervous for the first several years. I mean, long time. I, mm -hmm. I just can't get over how long it took just to get to the place where, you know what, you've done a million of these. Will you quit being so nervous about it? Again, <laughs> you know, it would probably be really good to make a habit in life of just saying, Lord, what lies am I believing? Mm -hmm. Show me. Yeah. Amen. Because they can just creep up so quickly before we even realize yeah. how much, and I think you, you touched on it well, Max, of like, you know, how, how this is really affecting me. And I might not even realize it. Mm -hmm. And just taking these things to the Lord and said, like, show me, like the whole Psalm 139, just show me, mm -hmm. examine my heart. Like if there's any way in me that's offensive, any lie that I'm believing, like I want to mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Because they can just be so subtle. Yeah. One of the big uh, ideas that you learn when you're like very beginning to study economics is just like, you know, that every decision we make reflects what we value, right? Economics is really just the study of decision-making um, and like what do all of my tiny little decisions about the way that I talk to this person, the way that I think about myself, the way that, you know, the way that I structure my day, the things that I decide to do, what I spend my money on, like what am I protecting myself mm -hmm. against? What am I trying to, you know, push away from me? What am I trying to say about myself? What am I trying to convince myself of? And I think that's really wrapped up in those, in those lies is like, man, how many little tiny things like do we do that are because of these bigger things that have stuck to us mm -hmm. um, and kind of gotten under our, our tires a little bit. Uh, well, let's get into Topic of the Week. Yeehaw! <laughs> topic of the Week Sorry. this week. I love it. Topic <laughs> of the Week this week uh, is brought to you once again by the IPSAT course. It's not too late. Learn about your personality, strengths, skills, spiritual gifts, and passions all through the lens of the Holy Spirit. The IPSAT course is a guided discovery and approaching uh, and coaching experience designed to help you understand the kingdom resources that God placed in you that set you apart. Join the program that Nancy Calvin calls, not bad, the IPSAC course, Sundays from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., September 20th through November 1st. For more information, email Daniel Riemenschneider or visit bloomingdellchurch.org slash IPSAT dash course. So for topic of the week this week, uh, we all know that Scott uh, is getting ordained. You're reading the Bible in 90 well, days right now. In the process of ordination process. You're in the ordination process. Uh, I, the getting I, I ordained might not process. make it to the end. I might get to the meeting and then I'm like, nah, <laughs> I changed my mind. Uh, so you're reading the Bible in 90 days right now. Yeah. I just finished the Old Testament today. Woo! Congratulations. Congratulations. Woo. And you're doing it out loud. I am. Wow. What day is this? I don't know. I'm like oh. six days ahead. Okay. So 
So I think it's technically like 62. Okay. So what was the last thing you read for the Old Testament? What did you end with? The last book. Oh, wow. Which is Malachi. It, it's, is it just in order? It's just yeah. in order. Yeah. You oh, read it wow. just like a novel. Yeah, it's Page not like the... Because Bible uh, Breakfast Bible Club Breakfast. was co- exactly. sort of organized contextually yeah. of like yeah. these things relate to each other. No, wow. It's just so it's just, it's just plowing through. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And you've talked a little bit about some of the cool things that you've learned from that. Do you have like one big takeaway of like, if I hadn't done this, I wouldn't blank? If I hadn't done this, I wouldn't know how enjoyable it is. Nice. Which is not a biblical takeaway, but <laughs> sure. I mean, I guess it's context is useful. Hmm. Like placing, I just learned like two days ago that Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. I never knew that before. Sure. <laughs> I was like, oh, that is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, that kind of makes sense why Jonah did not like them very much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think the context is just the the biggest takeaway of doing it in this way hmm. that I've gained. Well, we want. The three of us, you, Bill, me, and Dan, obviously want to help make sure that Scott is as prepared as possible for the ordination process. Um, So it's time once again to discuss some ordination questions. Uh, These questions, of course, come from the big list of ordination questions that you get quizzed on or do you have to write about? Is that it? Both. Both. All of it. Do you go through all the questions in a row in person? I don't think so, but I think you need to be prepared to answer any to of them. answer anything pertaining to them. Wow. It's all I fair was shaking game. my head yes because he and Dan are working together on it. Yeah. And he will cover every question yeah. with right. Dan. Dan and I are going through one by one, but yeah. I, won't, I don't think that the final like exams will be like those 120 questions no, in sure. order. No. Yeah. It's, all, it's all fair game, but okay. yeah. It's, <clears> okay. Well, that's whatever nice. they, it's the not just 90 questions. Proctors choose to sure. focus on. Well, to be clear, uh, it's not just about Scott. Like we, I'll expect all three of you to answer. Um, question twenty-seven from the list: What biblical oh, evidence? Oh, that's my favorite. No, <laughs> what biblical evidence is there that Christ was conscious of his divinity? That is actually one of my favorites. Yeah, we just talked. We got. Ja- I got jazzed about this discussion. TSR, seriously, man. jazz. No, I. We we uh, about a week and a half ago. A week ago. I think it was a week. A week ago. Scott and Daniel Wright and I got together and did the the next questions on our list, mm-hmm. and that was one of them. And I. Really enjoyed the discussion quite a bit hmm. about was Christ conscious of his own divinity? And I guess I'll kick it off by saying it's important talking about believing lies, but we were talking about just earlier, that this is something that people get real confused about. A lot of people will say, well, Jesus, you know, people obviously who are not believers thinking, well, Jesus, he had his divinity foisted on him. Like hmm. he, he didn't have any pretensions or any any ideas of you know being divine but just later on it got kind of attributed to him he was a good teacher oh. he got killed and but then, then like he, yeah he was it was just he was it was unknowingly like put on him either that or so he like, just went along with what people were saying so like if jesus was a man and there was no god that man jesus to this day wouldn't realize that people thought he was god like that's either that idea. or he just kind of got swept along with it like, sure wow okay. people are calling me god well i'm just gonna go along with okay. it okay and that's not true. It's not true. <laughs> but it's, I've heard the, I've heard those arguments from like scholarly sources and from people. Can you explain talking. why it's important for Jesus to be conscious that he is divine his whole life? Like, why is it important that Jesus knows that he's God ahead of time? Well, if he didn't know, he wouldn't be God. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows it from a very early age. Yeah. Yes. You know, he he goes in the temple. Mary and Joseph lose track of him. 
which I think is a fun parenting <laughs> story in the Bible. <laughs> they don't get mad at him, which is something maybe they were, oh, Jesus, when he walked. Made us, what are you going to do, ground God? Late. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, they had to walk like, back. Yeah. They were out there a whole day's journey. Now they got to walk back a day. Uh, and like, well, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? So yeah. they were like, ooh, yeah. yeah. He, from a very young age, was very keen on, hmm. yes, this is who I am. This is... But it really crystallizes in my mind. He knew what his mission was. Mm. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. He knew what God expected him, what he was supposed to do. Mm. Can you remind me, does anybody know at what point do uh, either the Jews or Christians start referring to God the Father as God the Father? Like when do they start calling him God our Father? I think the Lord's Prayer has a lot to do with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that was mind-blowing for the disciples to hear, pray mm. in this way, our father, our father, mm. what? But we are adopted children in the kingdom of God. Mm. And Jesus is pointing out, this is the way you pray. And this is the great foundation you stand on. You are asking your father for these requests. Mm-hmm. So mm. I, I think the Lord's prayer is the first place it really comes out. Mm, sure. Because he also says, you know, how many... Of you fathers, if your child asks for what an egg would give them a, a scorpion, or you know, mm-hmm. he makes a number of different allusions to God. He says, mm-hmm. if if your if earthly fathers won't do this, how much more will mm-hmm. will your heavenly Father, you know, bless you? Mm-hmm. And they get and the Jewish leaders get confused and kind of ticked off and like, who is this Father that you're talking about? Like we read it in modern we day, know, we're like, yeah, oh, yeah. he's talking about God. Yeah, they were like sent by the Father, your Father. What do you? Yeah, you mm. don't find it in the Old Testament. Okay, you don't find. The term Father God in mm. the Old Testament. Mm. Is that true, Scott? At least in your memory of the last 66 days? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I can't think of any specific examples. It seems like there would be, but I mean, I definitely trust Bill's judgment on it. Sure. Because <laughs> I think that's important because if it is like a thing, if in the Old Testament, if in that time Jews were already referring to God as like Father God, right? Then. Jesus saying that. Then Jesus saying that is like, oh, yeah, he's just a good Jewish boy. But if if he's like one of the first people to say that and not be blaspheming, basically, <laughs> then like that is... That he is, is the first, not one of the first. He's he, the first. He yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me here, I, I love John 8, because that's a great chapter on Jesus recognizing his own divinity and saying like, hey, before Abraham was, I am. Like, mm-hmm. I am I am God. Like, that kind of is a strike against that that whole lie of well, yeah, he was not aware of it. He was actually claiming to be that. Mm. And there's a, he goes through talking to the Jews and saying like, I, I know you're Abraham's descendants. You're looking to kill me. And like, well, Abraham is our father. And he's like, well, if you're Abraham's children, you do the things that Abraham did. <laughs> and they're like, well, God is our father. <laughs> like, ah, oh, you can't get us there. <laughs> like, well, if God were your father, you'd love me because I came from him. <laughs> so you don't really see that a lot. And in then the he says, person, Satan's but, your father, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Love that confrontational oh, Jesus. That's amazing. Baby, he did not back down from no, anybody. But he's speaking, he's shooting from the hip with the truth, right? Mm-hmm. He's not just like, no, like, forget you guys, you're jerks. He's like, no, and here's why. No, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. But even they claim that God was their, I think that's the only time I've seen that. Yeah. Like, God yeah. is our father, but kind of like a, playing the trump card, you know? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. hey, God's our father. What are you going to say now? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't imagine what that would be like. Yeah, I don't think they prayed to him as Father God, hmm. but they did believe that, that they're the children. They of God, had the true God. Sure. And that mm-hmm. he was the father of their, their nation. nation. Yeah. Their religion. Mm hmm. 
but they didn't really wear it on their sleeve like Jesus. Yeah, right. And rightly so. I mean, Jesus, he's the one that had the right to say that. Sure. But then it comes out in the book of Romans that, oh, we're adopted as children. Hmm. Um, God is our father, too. Yeah, he's really opened the access to us to be able to, to come to God in that way. Sure. If I can divert us for a second, I want to talk about this divinity of God and or divinity of, of Jesus and sort of his nature. Um, a question that I got asked or that got brought up in a discussion that I was standing in on Sunday morning, and I can't remember, Eric, if it was you or Josh or Steph, <laughs> if there's someone I'm missing, I'm so sorry. When we say, you know, in the beginning was the word, right? So, so that's important to say that Jesus was there at creation, correct? Mm-hmm. Was Jesus already fully God and fully man at the time of creation? Or did he become man? And this is complicated because God's outside of time. So like, is Jesus fully man at creation before the creation of humanity? Or does he change and become, uh, change is a funny word, but does he Mm -hmm. become fully God and fully man at the incarnation? It's an interesting question. I know. I never considered before. Because a lot of times you think of what happens after. So you think of what's coming next. Like mm-hmm. Pastor David has been preaching about the, the end times. Like we see Jesus, I believe it's Revelation 21, coming on the white horse or 19 or 21, I'm not sure. Uh, coming on the white horse and he's, you know, a human figure. Hmm. Got like his name tattooed on his thigh. And so you think, okay, when he's coming again, he's coming in the form of a human. Mm-hmm. And I never gave much thought to like in the in the beginning, was he there as sure fully God and fully man? I don't know, um, but I think that Jesus' connection to humanity is a part of who he is as a member of the Trinity, because the Bible says really explicitly Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hmm. And God's immutability, his changelessness is one of his divine characteristics. Yeah. So I don't know what that looked like, hmm. but as you said, God is outside of time, so there was never a point where God didn't know what was going to happen. Right. And we don't I don't really understand what it means to be outside of time, but you might even say there was never a point where God wasn't looking at that moment in time where he was born and like that was before him. Right. Who knows? Um but he certainly knew it was going to happen. And so I think that that, that is part of of Jesus character as as one of the members of the Trinity, whether that means that he was like fully man and that he had a body or just that he was fully man and that he was you know, had this intimate connection with humanity because he was always going to be born into the world to suffer and die and mm. rise again. And that was just part of what was going to happen. I don't know. But yeah. that's what I think. I think that somehow, in a way that we might not fully be able to understand, that it was always a part of who he is and was. Yeah. Well, it's a mind-bending question. However, we learn from Colossians 1, 15 to 20, that Jesus Christ is the creator. Hmm. It begins with, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things Mm. in heaven and on earth, Mm -hmm. visible and invisible. It goes on and on about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. It's a phenomenal passage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I can't really wrap my head around, all right, he was always a man. Then... He had to change his appearance pretty dramatically because I don't believe he was an infant 
<laughs> 2001 a space odyssey the space baby sure no nope. well so when uh when because i've heard it both ways that when um jacob becomes israel he wrestles with someone and i've mm-hmm. heard it that he wrestles with god or that he wrestles with an angel on god's behalf yes if if he's wrestling with god which doesn't again to be clear is that Patently untrue that he's wrestling with God. No, 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 no. That's because in that probably sense, exactly what's going in on. In that case, then God is taking on, like God is in a form, right? God yes. is in a body, um, and wrestling with Jacob. And assumedly, that's not just the way that God looks all the time, because normally, mm-hmm. again, uh, was Moses comes down from being in the presence of God, and his face is glowing so much that it's like blinding, mm-hmm. and so clearly God. Uh, can present himself in that form, right? Then to wrestle Jacob, he's so, God. He can do whatever. Oh, he he's wants. got a pattern throughout the Old Testament of doing that. Sure. So that yeah. means that he can make Jesus go from he, Jesus can make himself be an infant mm-hmm. and grow and and change like a human does. Also, just to throw this in there, yeah. That, that instance with Jacob, as well as others. This is another question for the ordination questions. Um, are potential pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus. Mm. And then the, the angel of the Lord is, that's one sure. thing that I've heard about him, as well as the commander of the Lord's armies. Yeah, that's my Joshua. favorite one. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I mean, the person in the fiery furnace. And so this is almost like, uh, I've heard the fiery furnace one. So this is like, is it like rumors and speculation? I mean, it talks about, <laughs> like this may be is, Jesus. The question is basically, can you point to some pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament? Oh, so that's like taken as a fact that... Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. then, okay. Well, you look at the commander of the armies of the Lord from the book of Joshua, you know, commands respect. Sure. Joshua falls, he says, this is holy ground, falls down, worships, and you see like in the angel in Revelation, John falls down before him and says, no, 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 I'm the servant of God like you are, get up, like hmm. don't worship me. Sure. But the, the commander of the armies of the Lord actually accepts the worship, which... It tells me he's the Lord. Right. Well, he has to be. Yeah. Wow. So then, well, that, there's your answer. If pre-incarnation, Jesus is already a, a human or in the form of, in the likeness of a human, in the form of a human, then, I mean, there's no reason to say that he can't be going all the way back since it seems like, mm-hmm. you know, the only real point at which a change quote would be necessary would be at the the point that he was born. So if we already have evidence of him being fully God and fully man, or at least found the quote being found in the form of a human um, prior to that, then that probably means, at least to me, that, that mm-hmm. we can find him in the form of a human at creation. That's like a whole other thing of like when God is walking in the garden of Eden, is that God the Father or God the Son or God the Holy Spirit or all of them in like a trench coat on top of each other? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a good mental image. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let them know it's three of them. <laughs> um, but going back to, to Jesus, what other biblical besides, um, you know, that's him as a child and, uh, you know, what other biblical ex- explanations are there of, of when Jesus... Bill, you just turned to a passage. Before we go back, do you want to read what the passage is that you just... Well, it's another one of those pre-incarnate appearances that I love this one. It's in Genesis 14, Mm. and it is King Melchizedek coming to Abraham. Yeah. And he brings bread and wine before communion, 
and Abraham bows down and worships him, and Abraham gives him a tenth of all his spoils. Right. It's just beautiful. That I really believe Melchizedek is none other than Jesus Christ. Which would explain the Hebrews reference to Melchizedek. Hebrews says mm-hmm. that Jesus is he Hebrews uses Melchizedek as like a metaphor and it's like Jesus is the physical incarnation of the metaphor of Melchizedek in the way that he functions like a priest in the order of Melchizedek, right? Yes. Yes. He has no beginning, he has no end, he right. comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Which would make it a lot more sense if Melchizedek isn't just like a myth, but he is Jesus in the past. Yes. Yes. Man. Gotta love Jesus. Gotta I mean, love gotta Jesus. Love um, we're almost out of time just because you have, what, 4.15, you said? No, I'm... That's next week. I'm oh, um, I just got to be back here by 6 for, to set up for a while. So we only have two hours. Um, <laughs> Sorry, good. Uh, one, thing, one thing I really love about Jesus being conscious of his divinity, and I'm not sure if this is the direction you wanted to go, so feel free to cut me off, is just the fulfillment of so many prophecies. I'm going to stop Some, you right I mean, there, Dan. You're going to stop me right there? <laughs> no, right, no, we're not going to talk about prophecies. <laughs> no, go on. Uh, a lot of them he couldn't control, like where he was born, which is like, wow, God, he didn't control, like, hey, Mama, I want to be born in Bethlehem. That's something that got just waiting that, for her to get there. Like, and then he's God like, orchestrated right. and did. <laughs> but things like coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, mm. fulfillment of prophecy. Sure. The fact that he referred to himself as the Son of Man, kind of allusion to Daniel. I think I believe it's in all four Gospels talking about the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. Saying like, who are you? Are you like? Can we get this out of a good answer out of you once and for all? Like, who are you? Saying like, and you will see the Son of Man coming on with power on the clouds of heaven, referring to is that Daniel seven. Yep. Um, Max is affirming that. I would have to double check. I will do that before I leave the show. Okay. So like, it just <laughs> constantly fulfilling Old Testament the prophecies about himself. Yeah. Is is cool to he's referring to himself even in that way. Mm. Yeah. Where he takes the scroll, reads the scroll. Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Yes, like, yes, yes. Whoa. Yes. And then in, tear down this temple, and in three days, mm-hmm. I will raise it up again. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking of the temple made of stone, which would have been a phenomenal miracle to raise that up in three days. Yeah. But he does something far more difficult. He raises himself from the dead three yeah. days later. Yeah, he was fully conscious. I, I really get miffed with the scholars that come up with this idea that he didn't claim to be deity i think how banal how stupid i did you really even go to first grade how did you come up with something this far out i mean really if you know how to read you you should be able to see this but but i know what's behind it all it's a combination of it's satan trying to put all these doubts in people's minds and it's also the fact that bible scholars want to come up with new wrinkles on things because let's face it, the Bible's been around for over 2,000 years. It's hard to come up with new territory. So it becomes just all kinds of fantastical ideas mm-hmm. instead of staying with the text. They, they let their imagination run with some your latest crazy book. idea. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's disgusting, honestly. I found that reference... Jesus referencing himself, it was Daniel 7, 7, 13. In my vision at night I looked, and there was before me one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. 
So by so he was taking directly that, referring to himself as, as that of, as the son of man person. Yeah, he's definitely he's saying, "Hey, I'm the Messiah." When he says to his mother at the wedding, "My time has not yet come," is that considered him sort of tipping his hand that he knows that he's the son of God and he's going to have a ministry, but not until he's thirty? Or is that sort of can that be interpreted a different way? I think it could be interpreted a different way. Should Why that not? be interpreted a different way? No, because it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but good. you could say Jesus was just a prophet, and he knew that you know God told him when you're 30, like you know sure. when, he, when God approached Jeremiah. Um, but God was like, okay, when you're 30, you're going to do this stuff. And Jesus was like, it's not time for me to do that yet. But that's obviously wrong. Bill, would the panel accept that as a biblical, uh, <laughs> as biblical evidence? Except uh, what of Jesus's? Consciousness of his divinity, that interaction between him and Mary of of him saying, like, my time has not come when she asks him to perform a small miracle. It's kind of a murky one. I mean, there's so many clear ones you can use. Sure. Why why waste your time on the murky ones? Okay. Well, sorry for trying. <laughs> <laughs> you fail. You're I, not ordained. I'm not ordained, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he predicted his death so many times as well. It wasn't, sure, it was like, yeah. And like Bill said, like, tear down this... This temple was really good at making people mad. He was like, They're definitely going to kill me. For this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was an easy prediction. Well, I think that was. <laughs> then no one really wanted to hear it. The disciples didn't want to hear it. It'll just make him more right. <laughs> True. Uh, final thoughts on on biblical evidence of Jesus's consciousness of his divinity. I love that. I love. I just struggle to struggle to keep all of the context of the Bible in mind when reading it. And so to be thinking like, Jesus Christ is here, he's speaking, he's interacting with with humans, and he knows in his brain that he is God. Mm. Like, he's not just like acting on behalf of God, he's not just like a prophet, he's not just like a guy who's like in touch with the waves. Like, mm. this, is a, this is God who is also man and who is here, he, he is the creator, he was at creation, and he is here having this conversation with, like, the consciousness of his own divinity is so cool to me. Mm. Um, because I, I don't know if I really think about God as being conscious of his own divinity. Like, he just, he just says, you know, I am. But, like, God knows that he's God. And that is very important in understanding all of our interactions with him. Because mm. in the back of his mind or in the front of his mind of all of our interactions is, I am God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he spoke it in ways that people would have understood, I think. Like yeah. By saying, I am, uh-huh. that's really mm. clear. You really can't, in that culture in that day, would have been like, whoa, this is really super clear. Mm-hmm. That's why they were getting ready to stone him. Yeah. <laughs> when he said, you're going to see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, it was like, oh, snap, he's claiming to be that guy. That guy. That he was prophesying <laughs> about, yeah. Yeah. And so he wasn't shy about it, like you, like Bill was saying. Like a lot of scholars will say, "No, he didn't know about it." But how clear, more clear can it get yeah. that he was very aware and wasn't afraid to share it? Not at like, "Oh, they're gonna kill me now. I better just say something." Yeah, like no. One of those times is John four, which is the time he's with a Samaritan woman. Okay, and he hasn't spoken real plainly about his divinity with maybe anyone yet, because this is early on in his ministry. Oh, he spoke with his parents saying, didn't you know I have to be in my father's house? But it's not like Jesus went out and his lead line was, follow me, I'm God. He he didn't do that because they would have thought, 
you're crazy. You just that people don't walk around God. saying they're God unless they're crazy. <laughs> so he had to veil it with language that they would say, oh, that's in my Bible. That's the prophecy I've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. But when he came to the Samaritan woman, and he has this great conversation with her, she's, she's almost like brushing him off at this point. He says, well, when the Messiah comes, he will explain all these things to us. And then Jesus says, I who speak to you am and he. he. Yeah. And I'm sure he did that with a firm voice, looking her straight in the eye. And she's discombobulated. So she runs back to her town of Sychar, and she's forgotten her water jug, which is why she went to the well. And she's so excited. I can just see her almost hysterical saying, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And ultimately, the whole town turns to salvation in Jesus Christ. Jesus knew all along, I've got to find this woman because she's the one that's going to introduce me to the whole town. Mm. It's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. but, but again, it's, he's fully aware, I am the Messiah, yeah. I am God in the flesh. Sure. And he tells really a total stranger this and a woman at that when he may not have said it that bluntly yet to even the 12. Mm. And in that context, like he's not even really supposed to be talking to her for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. yeah. She's a Samaritan. She's yeah. a woman. He's alone with her. Yeah. He's at a well. And he opens up the conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's responding to her. Yeah. He says to her, will you give me a drink? And she's just thrown way off. Whoa. Mm -hmm. You, a Jewish man, are talking to me? Mm. Yeah. This stuff gives me so much confidence that Jesus is who he says he was. Yeah. He says he is. In the Bible, mm -hmm. and also gives me confidence in the authority of the scriptures too. Mm. Talking about scripture being inerrant or without error, like back in those days, if that was wrong, people were eyewitnesses of it. Like I was thinking about Second Peter, Peter saying, "You know, we were eyewitnesses of this. We didn't invent fables mm -hmm. when we were among you. Like we yeah. spoke yeah. what we we wrote down, we speak what we saw and we heard." Yeah. So like, if there have been people like queuing up, been like, "This is wrong. I was there." Yeah. You know. Yeah. This is inaccurate. Jesus didn't say that. And they wouldn't back down. I mean, all of those disciples, with the exception of John, died a martyr's death. Right. And they could have all just said, uh, you know what, I, maybe I'm just not remembering this right. Sure. They were willing to die for it. And even John, the one who didn't die a martyr's death, was willing. He was put into a kettle of boiling oil, which... Is just an unbelievably creepy way to try to kill somebody. Sure is. Yeah. They could have just, yeah, they could have said, forget about it. Or if you're going to invent a, a religion, mm -hmm. there's a whole lot more comfortable ways of doing it yeah, than that. that. That was a huge takeaway for me, uh, for me, uh, from Alpha. The, mm. the first time I did Alpha was just that realization of like, you know, even if, even if it was true, they could have still lied. Um, uh, just like the stories of Christians throughout the last 2,000 years who have been like, hey, like, recant, like, say mm -hmm. you don't believe this and we'll let you go. They had that temptation to say, like, I could save my own skin, think of all the people I could preach to if I get out of this, and mm -hmm. I can still go and spread the word. Um, so e there's there's incentive for them to to say that it, that it was all a lie, even if it was true, and they still don't do that. Like, they're that committed to what they saw. That they certainly died believing that it was true. 
Yeah. Um, and that's been a modern day occurrence also. In Korea, the people were Buddhists. Mm -hmm. The missionaries were working in Korea, and not a whole lot was happening in terms of people turning to Christ. But missionaries were persecuted, and I get the, I, I'm confident they were also put to death because of their faith, mm -hmm. probably because communism was coming through. And the people of Korea watched that. And when they were free, the people of Korea, in the 1960s, all of those deaths that they had witnessed of the missionaries took hold in their hearts. Mm. And really a big revival broke out. And now South Korea is at least one third Christian. Mm. Mm. And, and the largest churches in the world are in Seoul, South Korea. It's mm. the largest Methodist church, the largest Presbyterian church, the largest Assembly of God church. They're all in that same city. And they're massive. Uh, the Assemblies of God church grew to 400,000 members. Oh, man. Yeah, you have to have a ticket to get into the building because they can't handle you every single week. Yeah. I think in revolutionary war times in the United States, you had people laying down their lives for the cause of liberty. Mm -hmm. And the cause of liberty wasn't simply governmental liberty. It was also religious freedom. Mm. And that explains why revival happened prior to the... Revolutionary War, and then right after mm. the Revolutionary War, the the country was ripe for revival, and a lot of it was fueled by the courage of those mm. liberators, mm. George Washington being one of them, but, but just one. There were thousands of them. Anybody have any final thoughts before we move into the second half of the show? <laughs> 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 Listeners... Uh, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, trivia quizzes, and Revolutionary War veterans to podcast <laughs> at bloomingdalechurch.org. As Bill Calvin would say, don't be a jerk. Send an email to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. <laughs> for our closing segment this week, it's time for bets. Last week's bet was how many cars would be served by the food pantry today, Wednesday, oh, yeah. September 2nd. I forgot about this. Me too. Uh, I, it's only a week and I forgot I completely. 17. Dan bet 16. Scott bet 17. <laughs> Bill said 18. I yeah. said 19. Our food pantry served 16 cars yes. this afternoon. So wow. Dan is our big winner. Dan. Right on the Jelly bean nose. Dan has been complaining about jelly beans all day. You I've get been... two. I owe you two. So two Thank Easter you. eggs for Dan. Uh, Congratulations. Of course, wow. Bill. Because of COVID, I can't share. I'm sorry. <laughs> Scott, uh, get it together. Um, as a reminder, uh, the food pantry is open Monday from seven to 6 to 7 p.m., Wednesday from noon to 1 p.m. Bill, don't. He has to earn it. I was I'm fasting We today. have to encourage the behavior we want. He's fasting. He's going to grow up spoiled. <laughs> You're trying to make the man not fast? <laughs> and Saturday yeah, from jerk. 10 to 11 a.m. Uh, uh, someone sure. said that we should write uh, our bets down before reading them out so that we can't react to each other. And I like that a lot. So let me get this paper. Mm. That's fair. And then we can bet the same thing. Thank you for the jelly beans. I'd like to clarify that I was never complaining about jelly beans. I was just trying to get what was due me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> man, I'm so excited for Beth's Christmas trivia. Just getting these cards back out, I'm like, oh, man, it's almost time. 
Uh, They're going right. to be very hard. We can count on that. <laughs> it will be impossible. Will be... Beth, you're the best. Also, hopefully Beth will be on next week. I haven't asked her yet, so Beth, if this is how you're finding out, I haven't done my job right. Uh <laughs> This week, our bet is a little more retrospective. Um, mm. I have acquired the weeklies from the last 52 weeks, and I have painstakingly calculated how many times we've sung each song. Uh, <laughs> and the top five songs are Enough by Elias Dummer, Makes uh, sense. Build My Life, Hallelujah <laughs> for the Cross, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me, and At the Cross, Love Ran Red. Which of those five songs, and I'll read them again, has been sung the most in a service in the last year at Bloomingdale Church. Enough, build my life, hallelujah for the cross, yet not I, but through Christ in me and at the cross. I'll tell you the one that's been sung more than all of those. Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. <laughs> True that. David ends so many services. Well, let's just sing this one more time. So when you come to three weekend services and he does it six weeks in a row, you've overdosed, baby. All right. Uh, Dan, what do you got? Build my life. Build my life. Scott. What's the strongest? I'm guessing enough. All right. And Bill. At the cross. At the, we got three different answers. I like it. Well, Did we'll you, find oh, you out. you can't guess. Because I can't know. guess. I already know. So you'll find out who won uh, next week. Um, wow. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max. Bill. Muffin Calvin. All right. (laughs) It's Muffin Bill. Muffin Bill. (laughs) What's your middle name, Bill? Stanley. Muffin Stanley Calvin. That's so cute. (laughs) Take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. The second half of that was funny. It was, would you rather wake up to find your neck has grown five inches longer or that your rear end has doubled in size? <laughs> I've definitely seen that question before. <laughs> He's been talented enough not to ask it. Oh, man. I can't think of a reason why I would want my rear end to grow. Women would. Women work out their glutes so that their rear end does grow. Well, that's not going to make it into the final cut of the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm serious. The, no, the way I learned that was at that. LA Fitness, there was this blonde-haired lady who was really strong. I mean, really strong. And we got to talking, and we were talking about this one exercise where she was using like close to 300 pounds of weight. It, it's the hip abductor and adductor machine. Oh, yeah. So I saw her pushing all that weight, and I thought, world is going on so i talked to her and it turns out she's a um like those models that physique models okay so you work out with weights and you enter these competitions Mm. so she said to me yes i'm doing this because i want a big butt i thought what says yeah you know big butt that's what i want (laughs) Repeated it. Thank you for clarifying. No, people wanted that. Oh yeah, women want this. Well, then I started getting into. I had an injury. It was a glute injury. Oh, that's right. So I got this big, thick, and like three hundred and fifty page 
no, it was more than a 500-page book on how to work out your glutes. And sure enough, it was mainly for women. Women want to work their glutes out for their physical appearance, whereas I was doing it for speed because mm. that's where your speed comes from in running. So women that exercise their glutes are faster. Yeah. So they yeah. don't even know. They should it. be. They don't even know it. Women, yeah. you're faster than you think. Yeah. No, there's people that get imp like butt implants. They're probably not faster. They're probably not faster. <laughs> There's a huge problem in Mexico. Right. People were getting they were getting injected with like like by quack doctors with like tar and sand. Oh, tar? <laughs> yes. It was like what? And like all sorts of bad stuff, and they didn't realize it. And then they were like, "Why am I having these problems back wow. there? Why am I having these problems?" Why did I didn't know all these people got injections for yeah. making their derriers look better. My yeah. Interesting. I don't keep leaking tar. <laughs> What's this should be a bonus bit. Uh, <laughs> At least some of it. Bill. How? Real life. Max is like, we're going to go from here. Max, yeah, how do I stitch this together? Are you okay with including what you just said in the show? Yeah, I mean, this is all science. <laughs> <laughs>